please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Good morning. It's Wednesday, the 16th of December 2020. It's time for your final Morning Espresso of the year. As usual, if you're watching live, you can have the simultaneous translations and that you do by clicking below and you'll have a list. You select your language and then you'll have the translation. You also have the option of the Q&A button. So if you want to send questions, you can do that in your own language, of course. Or you can always send us emails to nordiafunds at nordia.com. Well, to kick off this morning's session, I have Eric Peterson, who is head of our responsible investment team up in Copenhagen. So good morning, Eric, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you, good morning. So how are things? Good, it's getting a bit colder, but we are still not seeing any snow, unfortunately. It's saving itself for Christmas. Uh, we hope so. <laughs> yes, if, if we ever do get a white Christmas again, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. So it's been a big year for ESG. So I just wondered if you could take us through, you know, some of the highlights from your perspective, obviously being uh, head of responsible investment at Nordea Asset Management. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the big highlight, of course, is how big a year it's been. The last 18 months have, have seen an explosion of interest in ESG, which has been uh, gratifying for, for those of us who've spent uh, many years uh, working with it. Uh, and, and especially the, the, the I mean, the, the, the COVID crisis, of course, uh, has been terrible. Uh, but but the, the one silver lining maybe is the fact that it's concentrated a lot of people's minds on, on, on what is really important. So, so uh, rather than the backlash against ESG and, and a sort of a uh, going back to thinking only about profits kind of thing. Uh, mm. What we actually did see was was that the interest in ESG and not just the social dimension, not just the, the things directly related to, to COVID, uh, but also the environmental part has become uh, even bigger actually. So, so mm. um, that has been a big thing and we've seen huge inflows into our uh, own solutions, especially the climate uh, strategy and in our emerging stars, emerging markets ESG strategies, our uh, emerging markets bond strategies have seen huge inflows. So, so all over, all of the products that we've been working on for, for such a long time, uh, uh, they've really come into their own. And that's great to see the performance has been outstanding as well. Mm. Um, and uh, apart from that, of course, a lot of the, the year has been spent on preparing for for uh, the new uh, so-called SFDR, the uh, SRD2, the MIFID updates, the, all the things that are coming with with the European Commission's uh, sustainable finance agenda, which is, is kicking in from next year, so that uh, uh, we are completely prepared and we can we can give our clients comfort that that uh, our products are uh, in fact where they need to be, and our disclosure is where it needs to be in the classification of the products and all that. So um, that that has been a big thing. 
So obviously at Nordea, you know, what we try to do is, is take an engagement approach. So that this is across the product range. So rather than just try and cut out and ignore parts of, of the market, what we really do try and do is, is to engage with the companies or in some cases even uh, governments that we're working with. And I just wondered, you know, from your perspective, what have been the, the biggest engagement cases that you've been involved in this year? Yeah, I think I think it's important to say always that that I mean there are things that especially in our ESG themed funds that 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 we don't touch, uh, and 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 because it's about one third of our asset base which is now in strictly ESG products and and the other two thirds in products that do have a fair ESG standard, uh, better than most of the market, but but where we have still investments and in, in companies that we would not allow in the stars funds, for instance, that makes us able to. Uh, have engagements with companies that would not be allowed in the stars, uh, would not be allowed in the climate fund, but we can then still own uh, in, in some of the, the more mainstream funds. Uh, and, and, and we've had some very, very big initiatives actually on, on the climate side this year. Uh, one was was uh, with the, the Brazilian government itself over deforestation and, and the climate effect of that in, in Brazil. Uh, that's maybe one where where I think we still need to see the results of it. Um, Brazil brought out a new uh, climate or a new uh, plan uh, just a few days ago, and and I, I think we still need to see the facts on the ground improve. To be honest, uh, but we're in a dialogue with some other large asset managers with with the Brazilian government. So that's that's been one thing that we spent quite a bit of time on. Then there's another big one on the climate side. Uh, which is uh, an engagement that we're leading also with, with a number of, of uh, large, uh, primarily European asset managers, uh, which has to do with a project to build the so-called Vung An 2 power station in Vietnam. Uh, we th th This project came to our attention really because uh, we had some, some uh, engagements going on with some Japanese banks about their financing of, of coal projects, which they are still uh, to some extent doing. And which of course we think is a bad idea both from a financial risk point of view uh, but but then also from the wider uh, environmental materiality point of view and this product uh, project Vung An, came to our attention uh, we we saw it as a, a good symbol of uh, really what it is that, that that we should be trying to achieve uh, so we zoomed in on it we got a few uh, as a managers to begin with and, and some of our clients on board uh, and then more and more so it's we're up to i think uh, 30 members of the coalition now uh, and so far we've achieved uh, to get two of the companies involved in the project to to actually make statements that they will not uh, in the future uh, invest or support any coal projects uh, either domestically or overseas those are two Korean companies, uh, Samsung, CNC, and Capco. Um, we we we're still not there where they are willing to cancel the Wungan project itself. Uh, so we're still working on that, and we're still working with some of the other, especially the Japanese uh, companies that are involved. But but that's been an example of I think uh, maybe more than the Brazilian one, where where the the results are still outstanding. I think with 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 this with the Wungan. Uh, that has has given us some tangible results already, uh, and, and I think that makes it, you know, that proves the worth of of, of this type of engagement. And then finally, uh, something that we focused more on this year, and also uh, really in support of of our uh, own um, 
a gender diversity strategy. So we offer a gender diversity fund and we've stepped up our engagement with with the large number of companies uh, that we hold in that fund uh, focused on on both gender and, and ethnic diversity and, and boards and management. So you mentioned there at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of change coming up and a lot of new regulations for 2021. And, uh, you know, obviously we've just launched our uh, global social empowerment strategy as well. That's going to be a big thing for the coming year. But I just wondered, you know, what else, what other big projects uh, have you got planned for, for the coming year? Yeah, we are going to step up our engagement and our voting uh, even more. Uh, so, so, I mean, that's uh, uh, really what we do on a daily basis, but we just expand our activities there. Uh, we were lucky to be able to do so much engagement on, on a remote basis uh, this year, even because of COVID. So it's worked really well via Zoom and Teams and so on. Uh, but we do hope that we'll get to to do some some site visits again as we usually do. Uh, that's one thing. And then yes, uh, that new strategy is really exciting, uh, co-managed by by Thomas Sorensen, who is uh, one of the managers of the climate and, and environment strategy as well. Uh, so the social empowerment strategy will be managed by him and by Olotayo Osokunle, those two together. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, uh, what they can do with that team because there are a large number of, of investment opportunities. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting universe that they've put together. So, so looking very, very much forward to that. Um, we have a, a green bond fund 2.0, you could say, coming up. So it's a green bond fund, but but which will place some additional ESG uh, criteria on on the issuers that we will buy from, uh, and quite a few other product initiatives, including the the. Uh, possibility that we will upgrade some of our funds to the so-called Article 9 under the new legislation. So all of our ESG funds are, uh, are classified as Article 8 under the SFDR, the new uh, EU Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation. But you have this category of, of uh, Article 9, which is like the deep green or dark green products, which have uh, quite high criteria for for uh, for that category and, and, and we're looking at what fits in there because one thing that we don't want to do, we don't want to to be uh, in a position where we're greenwashing or, or claiming uh, anything about the products that they can't live up to. So we're very probably conservative in, in the regard of how we, how we uh, categorize our products. Um, I think those are the main things implementing the SFDI. And I want to say also that we spent quite a bit of time on, on getting a hang of, of uh, what the EU Commission calls principal adverse impact. Uh, we will be able to, to take into account principal adverse impact on, on all of our products uh, already from, from March next year. Uh, and that, of course, is, is one of the requirements when later you get the MIFID update for sale of those funds to, to clients who who have, uh, or end users who have a sustainability preference. So that was quite important to, to give our clients that comfort that uh, the products that we sell under uh, a certain label uh, are actually going to live up to the demands that, that is placed on them by the legislation and, and uh, that they will be able to, to put them, uh, you know, safely on their shelf. Well, thank you very much for joining us again, Eric. It's good to see you, always is. And uh, just wish you happy holidays and see you in the new year. Likewise, we, we will try to get some Christmas holidays, even though uh, I have to tell you, uh, 
I, I spoke to uh, my the part of my team who's working on on our uh, uh, private equity uh, strategy, the one that's that's uh, very much impacts private equity yes. uh, related, and and uh, they told me that uh, they were very happy because one of the companies they were looking at acquiring had insisted that there would be Christmas holidays, <laughs> otherwise they would have worked all the way through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's one year we're going to celebrate. It's the end of this year. Think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, thanks again. And uh, now we move on to the main section this morning. And today I'm joined by Carlo Fazanotti. Uh, Carlo, many of you will remember, opened this series and uh, he's joining us this morning. Good morning, Carlo. Can you hear me? I can hear you quite well. Uh, so, Paul, uh, it's good to see you again. Hey. And good to see everyone or hopefully our viewers uh, seeing a friendly face uh, again. <laughs> uh, Paul, I must say before I start, Really fantastic job that you've done these last few months. Thank you. Uh, I think that our viewers have extremely uh, enjoyed your moderating uh, tone, and uh, we look forward to obviously uh, seeing you again in, in 2021. Thank you very much. So, Carlo, this morning we're doing a review of 2020, and I wanted to start with, with Niels because he joined us at the end of, uh, of August, and he was talking you know, about the challenges that COVID produced, you know, not just for, for us here at Nordea, but for the industry as a whole. And actually, you know, the, the Morning Espresso was born out of the situation we found ourselves in. And, uh, you know, you were there at the beginning. So I just wondered if you could just take us back to then and, and what was going on and what's happened since. We all know that at the beginning, or I'd say around March, when, when everything was closing down and there was a, a need, a necessity to stay close to our clients, we put our heads together and we thought, okay, well, we can't travel physically to see our clients. Uh, we can't probably host these uh, major events that we normally do. So how can we make sure that our clients get the needed information in a timely way, uh, but at the same time in an interactive and, and, and interesting way. Mm -hmm. uh, so as you know, we, we created the, the Stay Alert website, the Stay Alert website, which uh, Paul speaks about uh, with you guys every week. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> www.nordea.lu in case you uh, didn't remember, or of course you have your local websites. And out of, out of this uh, Stay Alert, we've actually created what I think a really a must-see, must-have uh, sort of content hub where, where clients can stay up to date with their investment needs. So, Paul, if you'll indulge me for a few moments, I would love to go and take our clients uh, uh, through a quick tour of what we have today just sure. to remind them what we have. So here we'll see we have the uh, Stay Alert website. We always start with the, uh, the spotlight. Uh, so this week... Uh, we still have uh, Thomas. Uh, you will remember Thomas Sorensen was on here last week talking about our new uh, global social empowerment strategy. So if you haven't seen that video, uh, I invite you to check it out. Not now, of course, uh, because Paul and I would like your attention for a few more moments. Uh, if you scroll down a little further, uh, you'll see all the other videos that we've done in the previous weeks. Uh, you'll also notice some new functions, uh, which we call on-demand, and it's quite exciting. Uh, it was a lot uh, labor of love, if you will. Uh, here you can either watch the full video, you can choose to either watch just the beginning portion, so if there was a macro matters or an ESG matters, you can just watch that segment, mm -hmm. or skip those and go directly right into the content. In addition, uh, you'll see we have the podcast function. I think uh, particularly today uh, for those that maybe uh, prefer doing many things, it's nice to listen to it. Uh, we've actually had some quite good uh, listenership, if you will, audience on the on the podcast. And finally, you'll know, uh, you'll be aware, I should say, that we also have the Q&A function. And the mm -hmm. Q&A uh, function is obviously it's a written up Q&A uh, summary of basically of the uh, Podcast, sorry, of the webinars that we've had in the previous week. So that's also really, really great. 
If we scroll further down, you'll see that we also have stay uh, connected or stay alert with the world. And so these are the videos produced uh, with Sebastian Galli, our resident macro uh, economist. So these are great to stay up to date on the latest, anything from uh, Brexit that you were discussing uh, yep. last week to uh, the US elections or to our outlook for 2021. And finally, at the bottom, you will also see sort of our weekly sort of uh, uh, notes or rather commentary on what's happening in the market. So as you can see, quite a lot of information. We appreciate that you uh, have uh, your choice of, uh, of uh, places to find your information, uh, but hopefully people uh, will continue to, to support this fantastic website. Yeah, and I know that that's a lot of work putting it into all the different language versions as well. So uh, congratulations to you and the team. We got that up very, very quickly uh, after the decision was made. So uh, a lot of work there and, and I think uh, it's paid off. So thank, thanks to you and the team. Well, I actually, I actually have a question for, for, for you, Paul, now, <laughs> okay. now that we're doing a, a year in review. Uh, generally, uh, and perhaps our viewers are not so accustomed, but in, in the U.S. at least, when you have a new television series or let's say new program, when you make it to 22 episodes, right. you're up for, for renewal. So okay. kind of like without, without going into too much detail, how many of you guys done or how many have we rather done uh, this year of, of morning espressos and afternoon Americanos? And are we going to be renewed for next year? <laughs> okay, so... I guess we started mid-May. I think you started off. Um, I think we're around. Could it be thirty-three? Well, why don't we have a, Why don't we have a look real quick? Okay. Oh wow, this is Star Wars. Okay, so <laughs> there's a lot there. So, yeah. So clearly, clearly, Paul, I think you've done you've done a, and all the uh, our invited guests have done a fantastic <laughs> job. So again, this is just a show in a in a uh -huh. in a snapshot. But I think. We're pretty certain that we're on for next year, right? Yeah, I think season two starts January next year. 13th of January, we'll be back uh, with season two. So uh, do join us for that. And uh, he had a very funny first slide. And I just wondered if we could pull up that very first slide the, from the very first Morning Espresso. And we just have a quick look at that. And here you have it. And uh, I don't know if you remember that this is when we all went into a real strict lockdown. And the streets were filling up with, uh, with animals. The animals were coming back into the towns. So maybe you could sort of take us back to that very first uh, interview you did. Yeah, Paul. And Thomas was a real good sport. Uh, as you remember, he was actually uh, live uh, uh, from his uh, daughter's bedroom. And he had that beautiful little chalkboard. And That's so right, yeah. what, what I remember most of it is obviously as, as, as a thematic climate solution. Uh, this year, it's been a big year for, for the climate in particular, as we saw uh, in the earlier slide and also in this, in this video uh, behind this is obviously we've had to adapt. Uh, the climate has sort of uh, taken a, a even greater role because of COVID, because COVID covers uh, a lot of the, uh, let's say, health issues that we're facing today. And that's why we were really grateful that Thomas was one of our, our first guests. Again, a really experienced team uh, that has done extremely well. And obviously, we look forward to having them uh, or him back as a guest in uh, 2021. Yeah. And then this morning we had Eric Peterson on, who is, of course, our head of responsible investment. And, uh, you know, he oversees all of that, uh, those teams and, and what they're doing. And I think there's a common thread throughout all of this. And uh, we've got a slide here coming up from our, uh, one of our stars presentations. But perhaps you can talk us through this slide. Yeah, and, and of course, uh, for those of you that have followed us through through the months, uh, you know that our ESG Stars uh, boutique has uh, a lot of different solutions. Uh, we've uh, covered uh, global, European, North American, uh, emerging. Yeah. Uh, so really, we have a really uh, rounded, well-built uh, uh, product portfolio. 
but it wouldn't really work as a product portfolio if we didn't have sort of this DNA uh, uh, sort of concept of how we work. And, mm -hmm. and Eric and the portfolio managers that have joined us have alluded to this throughout the, the, the year, sort of this DNA that holds it together. So it's these ESG analysts that are embedded uh, with the portfolio investments teams making that decision from the initial investment idea through uh, the portfolio construction to either buying or selling those positions. And I think that has been something that I think has been a, a very important point. Uh, we don't have two separate teams. We have a responsible investment teams, investment teams working continuously together uh, in order to find sort of what we call the sustainable uh, winners of tomorrow. And you alluded to this earlier, obviously, uh, and it's not uh, by, um, let's say, it's not casual or it wasn't uh, just by luck that these uh, pro these products have had a, a good year. It's also been because these structures of investment philosophy have been in place for a long time, whether it be uh, obviously investing into our ESG, uh, sort of what our criteria is, or whether it's beating the benchmark or creating that lasting impact. Those are really the core pillars uh, of our ESG uh, strategies. Mm. I mean, what I see with my clients is, is you know, we're, we're particularly the second half of this year, a lot of questions around our, our ESG, dedicated ESG strategies. And what they're really looking for is that integrated ESG, not something that's been plastered on top afterwards because it's become popular, but really properly, truly integrated. And that proprietary research that we have is so important and how we do it is so important. Um, I think that, you know, this, this is a, a great way of showing that and, and how those two are interwoven. And we continue to expect this ESG trend to continue strongly into the coming year. And of course, we'll be there to uh, accompany you along the way. Now, of course, dedicated ESG strategy is not something new to us. The very first one we launched was back in 2011 with the Emerging Stars Equity Strategy. And uh, that's built up a track record. And as we've gone along, we've learned and we've been adding to that range. Um, but let's just turn to the emerging markets because we had a, a great slide that Juliana, uh, the lead PM, showed us uh, on one of the morning espressos. And this is this slide uh, here. And I'm glad you bring this one up, Paul, because I think a lot of the time uh, it's often overlooked or forgotten. But ESG can be very, very valuable, particularly in emerging market contexts. And I think for those of you who have joined the, that particular Morning Espresso, you remember that Juliana, when she sold this slide, what she was trying to show us is sort of what are the key risks uh, that you need to take into consideration when investing uh, in the emerging market. So first we have the sort of the positive impact of uh, corporate financial performance is the highest in emerging markets. Uh, then we have the biggest exposure to uh, severe and high ESG risks in EM. Uh, and then finally, according uh, to Sustainalytics, uh, an emerging market equity uh, investor is expected to have uh, be exposed to at least 14.2% uh, of uh, unmanaged ESG risk. Uh, so obviously versus a de developed market investor. So clearly uh, we have the team that's been in place for an extremely long time that has done it very, very well. And we think that obviously it's good to remind our investors of, of that particular morning espresso. So... We've been talking a little bit about you know, the equity side, but of course, we also have the fixed income stars and uh, a couple of those in particular, European investment grade, but also the emerging market stars have, have grown in size. You know, they're both sizable uh, products now. So we had uh, Teda Ruston and uh, he was talking about engaging and how to engage not just with companies, but with, uh, with governments as well. Perhaps you could just talk us through this slide here. Yeah, and again, I think when we talk about ESG, uh, you can't talk about it without 
engagement, right? So uh, generally we think about it as engaging with a company, but this is actually one of the cases and particularly where it makes a difference in an emerging market debt uh, product where you're primarily investing in, in sovereign bonds, where an engagement can really uh, be a little bit tricky. Uh, and here, if you remember, uh, Theta engaged here uh, with uh, the uh, Brazilian government. Now he engaged with them in sort of a uh, first indirect way, which was getting their attention by obviously he was suspending uh, his investments in Brazilian government bonds because at that time uh, the Brazilian government was uh, had a, a, a policy of deforestation which, which was not aligned with, with our expectations. Yeah. Uh, of course, this is an ongoing engagement, uh, but out of it was born a lot of discussions with the Brazilian government. Other investors have joined us in this engagement uh, with Theta and team. So it just goes to show that uh, in the context of uh, ESG and in particular uh, an engagement that there's different types. It's not only just uh, company engagement, but you can also uh, do it on a, on a country level. So this was a really, uh, so far it's going on a positive path uh, and we uh, looked forward to see what uh, Theta and, and the ESG analysts have in store for us. So another thing that we've really seen grow in 2020 was the emergence of you know, thematic investment, and uh, that's across the industry. So that was things like AI, healthcare, you know, these kinds of topics. Here at Nordea, we saw a huge uh, interest for our global climate and environment strategy, and uh, that's, that's something that you know, has been growing over the years. But what we've also seen is uh, growing interest for our global gender diversity strategy as well. And uh, we had uh, the portfolio managers on Morning Espresso, and I wondered if you could just talk us through uh, the slide that we see uh, behind us now. Yeah, and certainly we've seen this growing demand and interest in this type of solution uh, for one real simple reason. It makes sense. It makes a difference. So companies that tend to have a more gender diverse uh, board of directors or just better gender diversity uh, tend to do better and it's good for the company's bottom line. Mm -hmm. So we'll see here some of the key figures that we've seen through our research. Mm -hmm. uh, 1.4 times better for uh, for the profitability, 1.5 better uh, times better for the uh, growth culture, and finally 1.7 times better for the leadership strength. So all these factors contributing uh, to the better performance of a company. And I think we'll see even more interest in the coming year, particularly as people come to realize that it does make a difference. So just continuing on with the thematics, we've actually, last week we just had Thomas um, on the show again, talking about the, the new uh, global social empowerment strategy that we've launched. And uh, Again, I know you were heavily involved in, in preparing the material for that, so perhaps you could just talk to us a little bit about that one. Yeah, and again, I think Thomas, uh, he did a fantastic job last week uh, of, of explaining the new strategy, so I won't go again too much into the details, but I think it's again important to uh, discuss this new thematic fund where we're focusing on the S, uh, so social uh, in ESG, where there's very few products out uh, with regards to that attention. Uh, and some of us might remember uh, this slide uh, behind us, and the focus really has been uh, on the E, and there's there's justification for, for it to be uh, on the E. But I think as we were discussing at the beginning of our, our uh, session that obviously the S has come into light, particularly because of COVID. Uh, we're talking about access to health, education, uh, jobs, all of those that are uh, S-related. Uh, in addition, we know that the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, uh, which are obviously these uh, objectives for 2030, uh, a lot of them include S, and there's massive investments that need to go towards there. And to take somebody uh, like uh, Thomas, uh, along with Olotayo, his co-portfolio manager, uh, to address these needs, I think it's a very exciting uh, product that our, our clients will probably benefit uh, a lot uh, going forward uh, doing that.
Yeah, the one thing that really surprised me was, you know, how many of those UN SDGs are addressed with this portfolio. You know, when, when Thomas was showing us the various companies and the things that they were addressing, it's a very broad range. And uh, I thought that was that was interesting to see. And so I think the main takeaway for me for, for this product and for, for, for our viewers is obviously, you know, you can be an active player in this space. Uh, you can be part of, uh, of, of that new solution uh, where you're empowering uh, the, these, these sort of investment possibilities. Uh, we create value, obviously, in the companies uh, that we invest in. So those are interesting, dynamic companies that I think people will be, uh, if they're familiar with, obviously, the climate solutions, they know that Thomas uh, and Olutai will pick some very interesting uh, companies, but companies that are really relevant for the strategy. And, of course, making a difference with, with the investment will be uh, something that they, what we always obviously try to do with our products, but in particular this one, I think, uh, will resonate uh, across the board. So turning now to the multi-asset asset class, because that's an area where a lot of managers have struggled, where you know we haven't really seen flows in the industry, but where actually Nordea has sort of bucked the trend there, both in terms of retaining uh, assets, but also we've seen new uh, flows into particularly the Alpha 15 and the Alpha 10. And so uh, you know we had Asbjörn Troller Hansen on uh, a couple of times actually, and uh, he's always a very popular speaker. And uh, we got some some good figures off of that. I thought one slide in particular was super interesting, and one that we we thought we thought we would show today. And that's this slide here. And maybe you could just say a few words to this. Yeah. So this this slide has been uh, used a lot of times, and it continues to be a very valuable. Uh, slide. Uh, of course, here we're looking at sort of the turns of different asset classes in, in the last 10 years and what are the uh, expected returns for the next 10 years. And obviously, the past is not always a predictor of the future, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> we know that it's going to be really challenging out there. And so obviously, having a uh, portfolio management team uh, as large an experience as the multi-assets team, which I would also argue, uh, besides the alphas, are managing uh, other great products. We also oh. had Karsten uh, Ber yes. here yeah. as well. Uh, we True. had Gino Bofa. Uh, yep. So we also dis we dis we talked about the the flexible solutions. Uh, we talked about uh, the new. Um, uh, I think it was the conservative flexible That's fixed it. income yeah. as well. Those so for the more conservative clients. And I think the key takeaway is no matter where you're sitting on the risk spectrum, you need an active manager that knows how to balance risk. And I think. Obviously, uh, Asbjorn and his team has shown time and time again, uh, they feel comfortable doing it, they're very good at doing it. Uh, obviously, um, it requires some patience, it requires obviously uh, um, trust, and I think trust that many of our investors have shown and continue to show. Uh, but of course, as you look here, uh, it won't be uh, easy going forward, but we do have the solutions to meet uh, this complicated environment. Now, one of the surprise hits of the year when we we're talking about just now about, you know, the number of views we got and uh, one of the, the big hits of the year was the MIFID, you know, regulation. Um, and it seems to be a very important topic for, for a lot of our audience out there. Michael Mordener took us through, you know, what's going on. Obviously, the situation is, is extremely complex and uh, I love this slide because of the forest, you know, and the trees where, you know, it is a highly complex and very fluid situation we're finding ourselves in now. We're going to continue into the new year with this series, but perhaps uh, what was your takeaways from, from that series? Well, first of all, Michael was, uh, I would say, one of our more... Uh 
popular guest, and I think it's because he resonated with something that's really important, which is obviously this ESG EU regulation. Yeah. Uh, I think my key takeaways, and also with the discussions that we've had with our clients, obviously, it is a complex topic, uh, so it does require uh, somebody to be able to shift through all the, you know, uh, as you see the forest uh, uh, here. Uh, in addition, it's it's a long-term process, right? So we are in uh, the first couple of iterations. Uh, we know that some more regulatory changes are in the horizon, so obviously keep tuning in for our follow-up uh, episodes with, with Michael on that. Uh, we know that ESG offerings will be a must. Uh, so hopefully uh, our viewers have noticed throughout the year that we've made a, a big push and a big theme uh, on ESG. That will continue, obviously, in 2021. Uh, but of course, if you know that you'll be, uh, I would say, nudged uh, instead of, uh, of course, you'll be obligated, it's a must, uh, to talk to your clients and also about the sort of their, their preferences, the suitability preferences, all those things, you can count on us as the relevant partner to, to accompany you uh, along the way. And finally, uh, we all need to be ready for whatever what uh, whatever may come. And I think uh, Michael and team are preparing themselves as well uh, to be available uh, to, to, to clients that need some help. Uh, and we're going to continue to offer that through our sales force, uh, through the organization. So I think you, you'll know that it, it's important enough for us to make a whole section on the stay alert. It's because we believe uh, quite strongly in here and we're ready uh, to provide that service to, to our clients. Yeah, something important there, Carlo, because I know you and your team have been extremely busy providing our clients with educational uh, materials. So we have you know, online training programs. We also have brochures explaining all of the terminology uh, and pointing people in the right direction. And, and again, that's been a big success for us. So uh, again, congratulations to you and the team. I think that's been Thank great you. work. And, uh, and again, you know, we're, we're here trying to support you in the best way possible. And uh, that's all part of that package. Well, thanks. That's uh, really kind of you. One final thing before we close off for today, I just wanted to thank all of you who are watching because if we don't get people watching, then uh, it doesn't make sense to, to make these uh, morning espressos anymore. So thank you to all of you, each and every one of you who uh, either watch live or watching the recordings, coming to the Stay Alert microsite to, to watch the videos. Um, I hope that you found this educational and useful for your day to day. And uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, for season two uh, next year, starting from the 13th of January. Carlo, I'll well, let you close. I'd also like to thank uh, the many people that made Morning Espresso possible. Uh, there's too many people to mention, and we would probably need a whole Morning Espresso just to thank all of them, but it's a great team that's behind there, and I want to just express my sincere gratitude uh, for your help. Also, uh, as a reminder, check out our nordea.lu website where you can visit the Stay Alert. I won't go through all the goodies because we already discussed that. And I think we also have a new website as well. We do. nordeaassetmanagement.com. So make sure to please uh, check that out. And of course, remember that you can get the, the videos, the podcasts, and the, and the Q&As uh, wherever is more convenient uh, for you. So thank you. And I think we wish you a... Yeah, happy holiday. And see you next year. Thanks. Bye.